Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. As a small business owner, you are the business, and you know the time you're spending on payroll and HR could be spent in a hundred better ways. Ceridian PowerPay is fast, simple, and intuitive software trusted by over 40,000 Canadian small business owners like you. Automate your HR and payroll processes, keep track of compliance, and pay your people from your desktop or mobile phone. Free up time to focus on what really matters when it comes to your business, and get back to doing what you love with Ceridian PowerPay. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement and will share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Ladies and gentlemen, entrepreneurs from coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. We're thrilled today to have Jeremy Miller on the show. He's a globally recognized branding expert and uh, the best-selling author of two books, Sticky Branding and the new one, Brand New Name. Jeremy's path to branding wasn't traditional. He fell into it out of necessity. After watching the family's business hit nearly rock bottom, he was forced to take a hard look at the way the company was run. Jeremy realized it wasn't his salespeople or marketing processes that were failing. It was the brand. Their customers couldn't distinguish them from anyone else. And I think this is a problem that a lot of entrepreneurs have. So this insight caused Jeremy to rethink, reposition, and rebrand the family business. The strategy worked, and within a year, the company turned a corner and rocketed into growth mode. In 2013, Jeremy sold his family's business to, spo to focus exclusively on what he does today, building brands. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. It's great to reconnect. Rick, it is a pleasure, and thanks for the amazing warm introduction. All right, great. So... While this podcast will be about your journey, our goal here at the Startup Canada podcast is to give our listeners uh, the best service we can, the most useful information for them and their businesses that they can put to work almost immediately in their business. So, uh, so, so focusing on their needs uh, right off the top, what do, you think, what, what do you think are the top pieces of advice that you'd like entrepreneurs to take away from this conversation today? I think the the one I have two key ideas, and they're consistent to my approach to to branding and and growing businesses, especially in the startup community. Which is number one, building a brand is a choice. That what I can tell you from my research is the companies that grow the best brands 
are not accidental. They are the ones that spend the most time and energy on marketing and connecting with their customers. And so branding first and foremost, especially when you're a young business, is a choice to do something remarkable and serve your customers brilliantly. And then the second key message I would say for today is that everything starts with strategy, that you've got to make the key decisions at the very early stages of where do you play, how do you win, how do you want to be known, and then building that infrastructure to get there. And so this is the journey that we all go through as entrepreneurs, that we are choosing to do something remarkable and, and making the steps to do that. Fantastic. So let's just just go back and look at this backstory for a minute. I'm always fascinated by origin stories. So tell us about this family business. You 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 come along and you're you're an English an, an English major, mm-hmm. and you step into this recruiting business. And and just just tell me what you discovered. Well, the uh, the origin starts way before when I started, uh, because I think in high school I told my parents at some point, when I grow up, I'm going to take over the family business, and they both panicked. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so they talked to their friends, and the, the friends told them, look, you don't want your kids to be a lucky sperm, and so uh, you need to set some barriers to entry. So the English major and all this happened was my parents set for my brother and I that to join the family business, we had to have four key things. We had to have a university education. We had to work in the real world for at least four years. And there had to be an open job uh, when we applied and we had to apply. So it was a, a process to come into the company. And But it had been my dream to join the family business, which, as you mentioned, was a recruiting agency at the time, an IT staffing firm. And, and I had the opportunity to join in January 2004, basically four years of the day from graduation. And coming on board was exciting. I had left the tech world I, and came on as the director of sales and marketing. And I came in thinking I'm a, a, a big gun. I'm going to show my parents a thing or two. And I got my butt handed to me. I just got schooled. And... Uh, at the end of that first year, uh, I remember sitting down with my parents and saying, if this is what it's like to be in a family business, I can't do this. This is a nightmare. And, and the reason it was so bad is we were sitting there cold calling and selling and trying our darndest to try and find a way to connect with their customers, and nothing worked. And we didn't know it at the time. What we were really dealing with was a disruption. This was the early stages of the internet with Google and LinkedIn and Facebook was a year old and it was changing buying behaviors. But at the time, all it looked like was we just couldn't find any traction or success. And it got so bad that I spent six hours a week with my sales team doing pit time, which was dedicated cold calling. And I hate cold calling. And so does so everybody else. Yeah, it's a horrendous. So at the end of that first year, I was just told my parents that this is what it's going to be like. I'm I'm done, and this is probably when I got the best advice of my career. And my dad said to me, "It's not about the business you've built; it's about the business you're building. What are we going to build next?" And that was the moment that gave me permission to take a step back, look at the business, look at the industry, and change the trajectory of not only uh, the business but my entire career. Wow, that's really good advice. Was did your dad have a lot of those best advice things? Oh yeah, he had the he always had these little one-liners uh like uh, nothing relieves pressure like sales. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. So he has the, the he would just have these these insights and they would just come out and sometimes it would be re- repetitive and there would be others that was that that line specifically, I had just written it down. I don't think he said it before or since, but it you know when you get a message that just sticks with you. 
that was something that just was a profound moment for me at that moment in time. Yeah, that was great. It's 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 not the business you've built; it's the business you're building that matters. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Mm-hmm. All right, <clears throat> excuse me. So, um, what did you do? You did a lot of research in order to figure out what had to be done. Mm-hmm. So. At this point, I was a sales guy. I, as you mentioned, uh, I have I went to university. I studied English, so I didn't know anything uh, about marketing at this point. I wasn't classically trained, and I had been working as a professional salesman for the past uh, four years and or five years, if you include that year. And so I did what most entrepreneurs do is we pick up books and we read and we learn. And, and so I read every branding and marketing book I could get my hands on. And uh, and I started studying the business and the customers and and as you mentioned the show notes uh, or the, the the intro was what we discovered was the internet was changing everything and when people googled us or when they found our website we looked like everybody else at the time we were called Miller and Associates and we looked like a law firm or an accounting firm or a recruiting firm we basically had the same message and the fa- same value proposition as anyone else and so when we saw that we realized that all of our woes weren't caused by our lack of sales or our lack of our ability to, to sell it was that it was a differentiation problem. Our customers couldn't distinguish us from anyone else. And so I uh, I did three things. I, I, or it was transformational change. I changed the company name from Miller & Associates to Leap Job. I repositioned the brand from IT staffing to sales and marketing recruiting. And then we changed all of our systems internally and, and even externally to support that. And it was in that whole revolutionary change that we found traction that then led to the the next uh, decade of growth. Yeah, that that, that 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 sounds pretty amazing. Can you rep- recommend any branding books for our readers other than the one written by you called Sticky Branding? Well, Sticky Branding came out of that experience. So as I mentioned, I read all these books, and the challenge I found is all the books were talking about big companies like uh, Nike and Apple and Starbucks. And I was a small business. I had a, a marketing budget, but not a vast one. And so when I wrote Sticky Branding, my goal was to try and provide the toolbox for startups and entrepreneurs that that answered the questions that what was relevant for us. And so I had to write Sticky Branding. I went out and I, I profiled or I interviewed over 150 business owners from Canada to New Zealand and then packed that with my own story. And so I still think in our realm, uh, Sticky Branding is the playbook. Uh, but since this is not all about me, the other book I highly <laughs> recommend, <laughs> the other book I highly recommend, is, and it's a bit dated now, but I still think it is the best marketing book ever written, is Positioning by Al Reese and Jack Trout. Right. Yeah, that's a classic. Yeah, I like that yep. one. Just before we go on, let's make sure people understand what branding is. I've encountered a lot of confusion about mm-hmm. that term. Uh, the standard cliche is that it's not a logo <laughs> yes. that, because people have the idea of oh, branding. That's all about the logo and the, the company colors that you pick. Well, what do you think branding really is? Well, you're raising a great point, and it's uh, something that, that gets under my skin is I think branding actually does have an identity crisis. So here is how I think of branding because I do think it's comprehensive, and I do think it goes beyond logo and design. I think your brand is based on what you have done. So – your brand is a lagging indicator. Jeff Bezos gave gives the best definition of a brand, in my opinion, which is a brand is what other people say about you when you're not in the room. Mm. 
Branding, though, is for the future. Branding is the strategy of what you are going to do to affect that brand. And so, in my opinion, branding is the strategic choices that you are making of where you play, how you win, and how you want to be known. Fantastic. I went into a company once that they called me up and asked me to come and help them um, sort of modernize some of their uh, communications. And uh, so I sat down and, and it was a family business. Mm-hmm. And I think they'd been doing things the same way for a long time. And uh, I asked, so what does your company stand for? I mean, what's what, 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 what's the sales proposition here? Are we a value brand? Are we a traditional brand? Is it high quality? Uh, you know, to, are, are you high end, low end? Are you everything to everybody? Or do you focus on a niche and a niche? And the elder, the eldest son said, well, it depends on the day. <laughs> and I knew I was in trouble then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and those are, and, and that really is the, the reason why branding and the topic exists. That one of my pet peeves is the phrase or the value proposition when somebody calls their business a one-stop shop. I hate that term. Uh-huh. And... I think there, like even the largest companies in the world, like Walmart or Amazon or Target, are not one-stop shops. They have well-defined market positions. Even though they sell a lot of stuff, they cater certain cater to certain customers better than others, and they sell specific types of items. Even Amazon, which is considered the everything store, is still fundamentally an e-commerce brand that is based on three core principles: provide lots of choice low prices, and fast delivery. That is definitively clear positioning that has grown to scale. And the companies that are waffling trying to be all things to all people are doomed from the start, and especially today. You could get away with this a couple generations ago when you were a local business catering to a local market based on geography, but now you aren't competing with the people in your your city block. You're competing with everyone and that's what google and facebook and instagram and all the social networks have done to us is they have leveled the playing field and lowered the barriers to entry so your ability to position yourself and choose what customers you serve brilliantly and choose how you serve them brilliantly is everything that defines your success which is fundamentally what we're talking about in building a brand fantastic so so just tell me about that transition when you decided you know what, branding is a more interesting business to me than recruiting. And you mm-hmm. you sold your parents' firm. How did they feel about that? Well, <laughs> this is interesting. So anyone who's been in a family business knows uh, it comes with a lot of emotions. And that's probably a nice way of describing it. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, So what happened in my case is uh, so – As I took my journey to reposition and rebrand my family business, we embraced digital marketing very early, back in 2005. And we were doing uh, early, we we called it permission marketing back then, using Seth Godin's term before it was even called inbound marketing. So I'm really dating myself coming across as an old guy right now. Uh, (laughs) But uh, we, uh, so we were doing this and my clients took notice. Large organizations started to take notice and say, we're seeing what you're doing with digital. Can you come and advise us? And so that led to the formation of a small uh, consulting practice inside of my family's business, providing Salesforce design and 
and sales consulting services for large companies. Now, where Sticky Branding came from was our succession. What happened was uh, we were going through our succession program and we had an advisor come in and start talking to us and, and the expectation in the room was I was going to take over the company. And what the advisor said was, hey, Jeremy, if your parents gave you a half a million dollars in cash as a gift, what would you do with it? Would you invest it in shares in the family business? And being the eldest and the firstborn, uh, I said, well, of course, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy my, buy my parents out. And he's like, well, well, that's stupid. And I'm like, what? And, and he's like, they just gave you half a million dollars. They didn't tell you to invest in the business. You do whatever you want. Like, this is make an investment strategy. Let's think about this. So I took 60 days and I thought about it. And I looked at the market and I looked at my options and I came back to the family and said, you know what? Based on what I know today, I wouldn't buy shares in this business. Wow. And uh, what we could see in the in our industry was just the effects of technology disrupting the, the recruiting space. And and as I said that, it gained clarity. And my parents didn't have any ego on it. They they said, okay, that's great. We know what you want. And at that point, what happened is we spun off the consulting practice to form Sticky Branding. And I then packaged and uh, sold the family business. And... Uh, and the sale of that was actually what allowed me the time and the money to write my first book. So tell me about what your parents thought about that. Are, 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 they, are they back in business or are they happily retired now uh, thanks to the fact that you saved the family business? Well, they actually – so my parents retired before the company was sold, which was interesting. My dad went through some health stuff and and he at one point said, you know what? I'm done. And he, I was running two companies together, which was – uh, not something I advise to any entrepreneur to go through, but since the company sold, they have both been happily retired, spending time with their grandkids, traveling. Uh, they're actually they are still very active with me. They are they, while not in the business, they are advisors, and we chat probably every day, if not every other day, and they're they're intimately involved in everything that I do still. Very cool. Sounds like the best exit ever. Mm -hmm. uh, when you think about it. Yeah. So you're a consultant now in the, the branding space. Are you a mm -hmm. one person brand? Or no, so Sticky Branding is, is three people, three people. Uh, but I am the, the front of it. So we are very much in the realm of building a business, same journey that many of the, the people listening through are going, that are can relate to, and, and how do you build a business beyond yourself, which is challenging when you're in the world of professional services. Um, but uh, no, where we have found our niche is and our point of view, and it's it's been developed over many, many years, is the idea of branding and strategy to affect sales performance. And I think that's what Sticky Branding does better than anybody else is how do you build a brand that actually moves the sales needle and how do you t connect strategy to that? And we're building the products, the books, and all the other pieces that support that the, that that mission. So your goal is to have a business that you can sell when the time comes. 100%. Yeah, fantastic. Because that's a that's a tough transition that a lot of uh, consultants don't actually manage to make. They can't make the business about someone more than themselves, and I think that's a trap a lot of people find them in. And when they retire, they have their savings and a miserable pension from the government, and <laughs> they make do. So uh, 
uh, you're doing it the right way. So kudos on that. So tell me, just because, you know, this is Startup Canada, you have to earn our listeners' attention. So who are some of the companies or organizations that you've helped advise on branding? Well, some of that's confidential, obviously, but uh, uh, many that I have written about in the, the books are, are public. So uh, one, I'll give you a couple successes. One is Versature out of Ottawa. Uh, they started as a, a small startup doing voice over IP or hosted PBX phone services. And uh, they grew very, very rapidly. Actually, the first 90 days that we worked together, they doubled their sales performance, uh, meaning they sold as many or they sold two times the number of subscribers in 90 days than they had done in the previous 12 months. And they actually sold their business a couple of years ago and uh, basically let their business owner retire. Um, another is uh, Central Smith, which is one of Canada's largest uh, ice cream manufacturers. You may not have heard of them, but if you've ever eaten ice cream in a restaurant, chances are you're eating their ice cream. From Central and Smith? Central Smith out of Peterborough, Ontario. They are a third-generation family business. Uh, the, the ice cream is absolutely delicious. If you're in the Peterborough area, definitely go to the scoop shop in the summer. But they are growing by leaps and bounds. Uh, and, uh, um, and so lovely, lovely people to work with. That's great. So you're, you're mostly working on small and medium-sized businesses? You're, you're not advising Kellogg's and Amazon on branding? So Stiggy Branding's core work is working with uh, small and mid-sized companies working to grow to the next level. Uh, yes, we do have large uh, corporate clients uh, like Salesforce and, and large pharma, but the, the bread and butter that we work with are in the mid-market. Okay. Well, it sounds like it's a, it's, it's a lot of fun and interesting. How, how does that compare to consulting for a living as opposed to producing a product? I mean, is it... Uh, is it a satisfying lifestyle or I guess you are producing products as well on the way? Well, the consulting is a thinking business. And so uh, if you are uh, like myself, I love to write, I love to problem solve, I love creative um Probably my favorite activity in the world is facilitation, so working with groups to solve complex problems. And so that kind of work I find very fulfilling. But the problem with it is it's like being a, a sole practitioner, you are the person and you're, you're doing the work. And so my real belief in terms of what it takes to scale a consulting business is very much around the ideas of packaging and productizing your intellectual property. And, uh, and there's lots of models and ways to go, go about this. But uh, if you take my latest book, Brand New Name, it's a proven step-by-step -step process for creating a brand name. And that's a fully standalone product that we have agencies and other consultants from around the world delivering brand naming sprints using the methodology and the supporting tools to their clients. We also have companies doing it on their own where they have been trained and developed to run naming sprints. And that is not dependent on my time now. And so that's an example of taking something I researched, developed, and built working with clients and then turned it into a program or a product. That's fantastic. And folks, this is how it's done. You turn what you know into products and you license that to other people so that you're not doing all the work. So tell me, how, how easy it is, is it to sell your formula for branding to other consultants? 
It tends to be uh, so. We have a very large community at Sticky Branding, um, and been, we've been doing this for a long time. So if you go on LinkedIn, the Sticky Branding LinkedIn group is the largest branding group on the site, and so we have this large reputation. People are are fans of the books and and the work that I do, and so it's largely been a question of self selection that people who have read the the book, especially brand new name, know there's nothing on the market like it, and anyone who has done a naming project where you're doing the work knows it is likely a land. It's filled with landmines where. Uh, that project can go off the rails very quickly. So to have a methodology that's bulletproof, and after you've done it once or twice with clients, you know it's bulletproof, uh, is game-changing. And so uh, we haven't gone out to convince people to represent us. They've come to us and asked for it. Ooh, that's even better. If you don't have to sell, if you just have to take orders, um, how do they know that you have a system? Why don't they just steal what's in your book? Well, some do. I, I get emails all the time of uh, people say, oh, I just did, t- read your book and delivered it at a client. It worked brilliantly. And you know what? I'm <laughs> Gee, actually thanks. happy about that. Y- yeah, for 20 bucks, they ju- they hopefully they just made 10 grand. So perfect. But that's fine. I think putting ideas into the world, it, it, you've got to have an abundance mindset at that. If, you, if, if I were to resent somebody using Sticky Branding's ideas uh, and applying them, then I shouldn't be writing books. Uh, I shouldn't be publishing and sharing my content and my ideas. And so my belief, one of my personal goals, is to be able to share these ideas widely so that people can use them and apply them and get to better branding success. My great frustration in the marketing world is everyone's talking about big ideas and why and what and giving you all this hype and no one's showing you actually how to do it and what are methods that work. Like accounting and legal have substance. They are regulated industries. Marketing is this hot mess of everyone's got their own little process and formula. So if we can get to some degrees of standardization where people are actually achieving success predictably, and if I can affect that, then I think that is a pretty good legacy. I'm not a huge fan of words like abundance, but I love the way, the the, the attitude that you take in this is that if you're going to communicate it, let everyone take it and do with it what they will. And, and I think that's a really important mindset to keep it positive and to say there are so many people who need help that there's no sense worrying about someone who's carving off a little bit here or there because there's a million more businesses that in Canada alone that, that still haven't heard the word in, 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 in our prospects for this kind of information. So let's say that some of our listeners have this feeling that, yeah, you know, we haven't really... Uh, looked at our brand and, and what people are saying about us and what we want them to say, um, we should do something. Now, their first thought is going to be to do it for themselves. And hopefully they'll buy your book and maybe mm-hmm. the, the Trout book and a few others. But what's the first thing they should do in terms of actually talking and doing within their own four walls? How, do, how should they approach the idea of rebranding? Is it rebranding or branding? I actually don't like the term rebranding. I think branding is a process that uh, if you're going through hard resets, then it's usually due to neglect. So if, uh, let's look at this as a journey. I think the but the starting point, I think, and the foundation of all brands is in an, a concept that I call simple clarity, which is the ability to describe 
who you are, what you do, and who you serve simply, succinctly, and in the language of your customers. Ideally, that was great. Can you say that again? Yep. So simple clarity is the ability to describe who you are, what you do, who you serve, uh, simply, succinctly, and in the language of your customers. That's fantastic. <laughs> and the ideal is to be able to do this in 10 words or less. Can people do this on their own? Yes, 100%. Uh, so this is the first chapter of sticky branding. This is probably the most fundamental and core concept to everything that I do in in my work as both a consultant and as an author. Uh, and it's it, and it's my opinion that simple clarity is the foundation of your brand. If you can't describe who you are and what makes you unique simply and succinctly, then all your marketing is not going to work. And the best way I can describe this from a metaphor perspective is think of this statement like a label on a file folder in your customer's mind. It's simply a tool to categorize you. It's make or another metaphor is to think of making your brand Googleable. How would somebody search for these types of services? Nobody's putting in fancy value propositions or elevator pitches into Google. They're simply looking for a service. Uh, for Leap Job, my family's business, we built that brand on three words: sales recruiter Toronto. That was it. We were a sales recruiter in Toronto, and uh, that drove. Uh, generating an inquiry a day. And even in the recession of 2008, we didn't have any sales slippage. That sounds way too simple. I know. <laughs> uh, but that's the foundation of this, that if you can do that. Now, this is an exceedingly hard challenge. Now, if you're a, a donut shop that sells like something very simple, you that, that's going to be there. Then you've got a different kind of challenge. But for most of us, we are creating businesses that have something unique about them. And so articulating this is really about choices. If you call yourself a one-stop shop, you're not making choices. So to say uh, that I'm a sales recruiter in Toronto is to say what I am and what I'm not. And we could set that down into qualifying statements. For, uh, for example, are you hiring a salesperson? If no, you're not a fit. Is your position in the GTA or the greater Toronto area? If no, you're not a fit. And then we had a third one qualifying question was, was the salary at least $45,000, which meant the, the project for us was worth $10,000. If it was below that, it wasn't a fit as well. And so we had a set of positioning criteria of how to focus our business. And so this goes down to the branding questions that we're asking. Where do you play? How do you win? How do you want to be known? And this, these questions are fundamental to choosing your value proposition, your service model, your customers. And the distillation of that into a simple clarity statement is what sets everything uh, as the foundation. Now you can build marketing. Now you can build product. Now you can go after your market with uh, deliberate focus versus trying to just opportunistically change, chase customers based on either relationship price or what you may be able to do. Jeremy, I think that one of the uh, benefits of a branding process, I almost said rebranding, but hey, I, I learn over time. I learn. <laughs> one of the benefits of a branding process is that it makes you look at things that matter. What are customers saying about us? What is the, their level of satisfaction? Um, are we meeting the uh, people's needs? Are we doing it in the right way? What's our level of customer service? So, so it sounds like aside from getting a, a 
a deliverable at the end that says, okay, here's a snappy positioning statement and a logo and maybe a new name. Um, but it also forces you to think about the fundamentals of business and fix anything that's going wrong. Is that true? Yeah, I think branding is very fundamental to your strategy. And, uh, and a good measure of this would be if you have dissonance, uh, if you have uh, something that's causing the, the customer to take a step back, say an out-of-date website, your product packaging doesn't uh, look attractive, whatever it is, like the, the more visual elements of branding, if that's causing a, a, a repulsion or an objection from the customer, well, then fix it. But the uh, the core questions that we're working on is choosing the kind of business we want to build. And this is what we do in, as startups is we have, as, as a startup owner, as an entrepreneur, you have a vision of what kind of impact you want to make in the world. Your brand is going to be the realization of that strategy. Tell me about digital branding. Um, sometimes I see a, uh, a di dichotomy between what a business says it does online and what it really does. And, some, and sometimes they are overstating it, but I think just as often they're understating it. The website doesn't actually give anything new, anything doesn't say anything special, even though everyone at their place of business knows it's special, but they don't convey it online. So how do you, what do you do to make sure that your brand is aligned both in the real world, in real life, and digitally? Well, let's take the digital is just, is table stakes now that uh, if you're not thinking digital, then like we've had websites now for 20 years, so we should be thinking that way. Um, the Every customer touch point has to be consistent, has to build towards an experience, has to tell a story. For the website specific, though, and you can extend this out even to social media, but for your website, the best way to think of this is it should function as, and communicate as well as your best salesperson. And if you are the best salesperson, what you would say to a customer should go on the website. And so the simple way of, of, of articulating this is if you were giving pricing within the first five minutes of every single customer meeting, then why is that not on your website? Have pricing up there first and foremost. So that's what the customer needs to know. Put it there. If, you're, uh, if you go to the bottom of every one of your web pages, if there is not a clear next steps, what is the next logical step in this conversation, then you are not selling. So this website should function as well as you do, and it should be reflective of what your your company is like. So your digital experience and your real-life experience should be one, and if they're not, then you can anticipate this is going to haunt your sales process. It's going to create objections. It's going to create obstacles. And every time a customer pumps the brakes, you guarantee they're going to go Google somebody else. Right, right. Tell me about your best customer story. What, 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 what's the best uh, case study that you've done where you've gotten the most results for a client? You can either tell us the client name or not, but tell us how it worked. Well, uh, I'd mentioned Versature earlier. They they had just phenomenal results. Uh, I'll give you another one. Unfortunately, the, the, the story is confidential on name, but it was a pharmaceutical brand that uh, – or a large pharma company that uh, that is well known in Canada and North America, and one of their core drugs was losing a percentage of market share per month, and it bottomed out wow. at seven percent. And this we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars in in these these moves. Uh, 
we rebuilt a positioning strategy going to the ideas of simple clarity that clearly communicated what the drug was and how it was different or similar or different to its uh, three direct uh, competitors. And that allowed the sales force to go in front of a doctor and say, this is how you prescribe. And it was a simple uh, uh, four by four matrix. But the net result of that is in the span of a year, we went from 7% to 12% uh, in market share just on clarifying the message so that not by over-marketing, but by communicating how these, uh, how the category, how do these three drugs fit and align to one another? And it was basically saying to the docs, this, there's no one-size-fits-all. And, and I think so much of marketing comes down to being logical and transparent with your customers. If you can say, this is where we play brilliantly, this is how we help you, and these are the other guys, they do really good stuff too, but this is how you choose one option over another option. If you show people the, how to navigate the options, they will reward you in sales. Okay, final branding question. What do you, what do you think the signs are that a company should take another look at its branding or lack of the number one place to look is your website an out-of-date website is an indicator of an out-of-date brand if your website is three or four years old the the, the service pages are out of date it's ugly it looks dated it's not mobile responsive any of those types of things usually a, an out-of-date website is a sign of an out-of-date brand and this is actually something that's very different today than what we would experience a generation or two to go your brand, especially your value proposition and your positioning, has a shelf life. And it's anywhere from 18 months to seven years, depending on your, your industry. We used to have strategies that would last 10, 20, 30 years. But today, with the pace of competition and then what's going on online, we are seeing our value propositions being blown apart because of all the changes going on around us. So your website's a good reminder. When you look at your website, you go, ooh, that's out of date. Chances are your strategy's out of date. Right. Now, a lot of people are going to hear that. And I think, the, you know, entrepreneurs, uh, they like to go home and once in a while for dinner. Um, and they're going to say, that sounds like a lot of work. But I'm thinking it's also a huge opportunity for those who really get it. Well, you wouldn't be an entrepreneur if it wasn't a lot of work. So, uh, it, 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 we, we can have a conversation of lack of vacation days and, and other things. Uh you know, this is a lot of work and building a business is a lot of work and growing a brand is a lot of work. No way around it. And if you're not prepared for it, go get a salary. Um, the, the other side of this, though, is it is a massive opportunity. A strong brand is the most effective way to drive sales performance. If your website sells as well as you do, you are providing a huge opportunity to communicate clearly to the market, to uh, demonstrate how your company helps people. And if that's extended out to Instagram and Facebook and, and Google and other platforms, now you are creating reach and scale. We are able to use our digital channels today to do something that only the largest brands could have done 50 years ago. Back in the day, all they had was print and radio, and that took millions of dollars to create scale. Now you can be one bob in a basement and be considered an influencer. So I'm thinking that uh, the, the, the real takeaway for me on this is that branding is not a chore. It's an opportunity. And if you're not looking after that and maintaining it and keeping it up to date and keeping it fresh, then uh, you're going to fall behind. Yeah. And the way I look at it is branding is sales. 
that if you're not prepared to sell yourself, that, that if you don't want to cold call and do the work I had to do back when I started this, then uh, build a really strong brand that people love and choose. If you can get your customers to choose you first, that's the best reason to do all of this. Right. So that book is Sticky Branding. It's Is it still in print? Oh, yeah. I think it oh, is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it, it, we're selling lots of them. Uh, yeah, it's available yeah. on Amazon. Yeah, okay. Um, and the new book, we'll just take a couple minutes uh, before we go to talk about the new book, which is mm. about naming. Now, branding is, a, is, is sort of an ongoing opportunity. Naming is, I guess, sort of event-based for, is it for products or companies or both? Everything. So everything has a name. Every company, every product, every service, but even your systems. If you want to give something meaning and gravitas, give it a name. Okay. Tell me quickly why you got into a naming book. I mean, it's an aspect of brand, but it's a, it's, it's, it's a little bit narrower than sticky branding. Sure. Well, it came, uh, it came out of really two forces. First, uh, uh, necessity is the mother of all invention. So renaming my family's business, naming lots of clients' businesses. I was perpetually frustrated by what was available on the market for naming. There was some free guides online, but one or two books on Amazon and none of them gave me the answer that I was looking for. And so I wanted to create a product that really solved a known problem in branding. And what we created was something there's nothing like it on the market, but it's a three stage naming sprint that takes three to five weeks to complete where you build a strategy, generate lots of ideas and then have tools and process to test and select the right name. And so that's what the book offers you is a, a proven step-by-step -step process to create an unforgettable brand name. And the, the reason I could validate doing this was a, I've gone through this problem many times, so I know I needed it, but we were also getting dozens of requests a week from blog posts and articles I had written on naming, ask uh, people asking me on help to name things. And so I knew that this was a need in the market that needed to be solved. And uh, what was there out there? Because I don't think there's been a lot of stuff specifically about naming things, even company names. There's a couple books on Amazon. They're, they're hard to come by. And realistically, they go into this pet peeve that I have in marketing, which is people tell you what is a, an example of a brilliant brand. They show you Apple or Caterpillar or Banana Republic, and they tell you why this name or this logo is so brilliant and exciting. And then they say, now you do that. And it reminds me of this old internet meme that used to go around. I think Seth Godin popularized it originally, and it was called How to Draw an Owl, a fun and simple guide for beginners. And you do it in two steps. So step one, the first picture, is to draw two circles, one for the head and one for the body. Step two is a fully beautiful drawn picture of an owl and says, now draw the damn owl. <laughs> and that's my view of what was all the, all the naming material out there was, here's an example of a brilliant name, now go and draw the damn owl. And it's so frustrating. How am I supposed to do this if I don't have process or method for that? And and so being the, the type of consulting firm we are, we're very much into the realm of solving systems and and creating definable, repeatable process. And, uh, and so that's where Brand New Name really origi originated from. And I don't think there is another book on the market that is even similar in approach or method. 
Wow. Okay. I have heard it said that, <clears throat> excuse me, a name is the most important business decision that any entrepreneur will make. Do you really think it's that important? It's the first sentence in the book. <laughs> uh, the uh, I 100% agree with that. Uh, that uh, David Ocker, who is a, a, a very uh, well-known, respected uh, brand researcher out of Stanford, uh, says that uh, a name is the most valuable asset of a company because it'll outlive trademarks, it'll outlive patents. But it, you think of a name like Coca-Cola or Kleenex or Google, that name is what people know it by. And from a marketing context in small businesses, your names are the longest living artifact in your business. Your products will change, your services will change, your people will change, your names don't. So getting it right is essential because people know you by your name. And if you have a brilliant name from the start, think of tech companies like Twitter or Slack or Buffer. These are positioning statements that create meaning and evoke emotion that create a competitive advantage from day one. All right. Jeremy, this has been a, a terrific time. I've learned a lot from uh, talking with you, as has happened before, and I'm sure hope will happen again. Um, I love the idea that uh, everything starts with strategy, and I think it's really important what your dad <laughs> told you. It's not about the business that you've built. It's about the business you're building, and that's why it's such an opportunity to look again at these things. Just final question for you. What's the most actionable piece of advice you'd like entrepreneurs to take away from this conversation and and, and put into operation in their business? Simple clarity. Be able to describe your business in 10 words or less. And if you answer who you are, what you do, and who you serve, you'll get there. Jeremy Miller, president of Sticky Branding. That's, that's pretty simple clarity, and it's a great name, and we had a great conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rick. Thank you for joining us this week in the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. Stay tuned another minute to hear the latest startup community news and the upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time. I sometimes show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence.